This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I've been blessed this week. I wish that you could hear some of the testimonies that have come in since Sunday morning. Lives being changed as people are getting right with God and each other. I've heard testimony after testimony, and almost every one of them, I know this is going to sound strange, but involves some level of tears and snot. Because what's happening is people are letting all that junk out and it's coming out with it. Come on now. And, and Pete, forgiveness is coming and deliverance is coming. And what a blessing. And between Sunday morning and Sunday night, we had the honor of praying with almost 40 people to give their life to Jesus Christ this last weekend. Come on. Let's celebrate that. Amen. Amen. I had fun preaching the word there as well. Tonight, I want to bring you uh, a message that um, it's probably going to be a little different than what I normally bring on a night like tonight. Um, you know, normally I either do a great teaching in the style of, uh, you know, de- depth, not necessarily presentation, but depth, and then or I'll preach you a message. But uh, tonight, I'm somewhere just sharing with you what God's been waking me up in the middle of the night about. Okay. God's been dealing with me about 4 a.m. about this topic and has been revealing something that I can honestly say I've never heard anybody preach on in my whole life. I'm sure someone has. There's nothing new under the sun. But I've never heard anybody preach uh, uh, on this, this. I've heard them preach on this topic, the story, thousands of times it seems in my life. But I've never heard anybody take this angle on this, Okay. And so you just bear with me as, as we dive into this, but I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, The Goat. The Goat. And we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 25, and verse number 23 is where we'll begin. Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse number 23. Father, as they're turning there, I ask you, Lord, that you're going to speak to us now. And open your word to this congregation the way you've been dealing with me about this word. Father, I pray that you will speak to us clearly and that there will be revelation that will bring change into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to listen to what I'm about to say before I read the word. I believe that if you had a long-term bondage, I believe that if you've had a long-term struggle, I believe that if something has had a hold on you, this truth that God has revealed to me will help you find freedom, okay? This is a truth that you're going to have to be honest with yourself about and will help you find freedom. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals, okay? So this is this is uh, uh, Isaac's sons about to be born and the Lord speaking to his wife. And from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. He said, they're always going to be fighting with each other. And your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. 
The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. I found it interesting that he was red at birth. He was called uh, by the nickname of Red, and yet he would trade his future away for something red. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preparing to, uh, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought him, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied. Notice what he says here. But trade me your rights as the firstborn son. I want to be over you. I want to be greater than you. Notice this. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? And we could preach on Esau's disrespect or disregard for his birthright. But listen, but Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright, that I will be greater than you, that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. And the Lord bless his word. Now, I want to talk to you on this topic of the goat. Now, I, I, I thought about how that here in the South, that, that term uh, many years ago particularly, but was a, a nickname of endearment that people would call each other goat. I'm still not sure that I understand what all of that was about. But I can assure you that it was not as complimentary as what that would mean today. If you were to say that someone was the goat today, it really means something. How many of you know what, I, what I'm talking about when I say the goat? How many of you know? How many watch ESPN? Okay, same hands. You see, there's some confusion as to the true origin of the title and who qualifies as the goat. But it has become wildly, or excuse me, widely used in today's vernacular as a phrase that implies a very specific title. The goat is someone that you believe to be the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. From sport to sport, People have different opinions as to who was the greatest of all time. People will argue about what quarterback was the greatest of all time. Don't come tell me your opinion afterwards. I have my own. Come on, amen. People will argue about what basketball player was the greatest of all time. I don't really think there's much argument to be done there, but people do argue about it. People will talk about the greatest golfers and the greatest at this and the greatest at that, the greatest entertainers. And, and so to be called the goat, and this is really important, I want you to get this, means that you are the greatest of all. Okay? Now most of us will probably admit that we are probably not the greatest at any particular skill. 
Now, maybe you feel like you're pretty good. You might even be great. But we're probably not the greatest at any particular skill. There's probably things in our life that we know that even though we've mastered them, there's somebody out there that has taken it to another level. There's somebody out there who has, has, has gone beyond where we have been able to go. But even though we're not the greatest, there is still an urge within us to be great. Here's what I mean. I mean, I may not be as good as somebody, but at least I'm better than somebody else. You see, we get caught in this comparison trap that God tells us specifically in the New Testament, don't waste time comparing yourself against each other. Don't waste time. Don't try to uh, build some, some mindset that, that your family is supposed to be as good as that family. I want to tell you, having pastored this many years, I'll tell you that a lot of the families that you think are great are might be more messed up than yours. Because when you see behind the facade of the desire to be great and to present this desire to be great, and I'm going to reveal some of that to you tonight. But here's most of us have this inner urge to at least be great. We might not be the greatest of all, but we at least want to be better than somebody else. Now, and what do I mean by that? There's this internal push to be better than, uh, I mean, to be the best. Well, not necessarily the best, but to be better than one's family. To be better than one's co-workers. To be better than one's friends because if I'm at least better than them, then somehow I feel somewhat justified that maybe I'm not as bad as I could be because I'm better than they are. And I thought, Lord, what are you showing me? Here's what I've realized. I know people who will practically kill themselves just to outdo each other. They'll go to unbelievable means just to outdo each other. This is the nature that will cause people, listen to me carefully, to buy things they don't need and they can't afford just because they don't want someone to outshine them. They don't want their brother-in-law to provide better for that, that sister than they are providing for the other sister. So they'll work themselves almost to death trying to show I'm at least as good or better than you are. I saw a group of friends who, who would literally tear down one nice structure to build a bigger structure because another in the friend had already built a bigger structure. And I'm not talking about barns. I'm talking about houses and cabins. All because these wealthy people were in a competition to see who the goat really was. Who was the greatest among them? Who was the greatest? And so they did things that did not need to be done because they were desperately trying to outdo each other. And it is from this position that we become prideful and we, and, and we have to present this, this pride as it comes forth out of it. We have to recognize what it is and what, why it's there. And here's why we have struggles, and here's one of the reasons why we deal with that. James chapter 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? I told you this is going to be a little different, but bear with me. They don't come from the evil desires at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. 
And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. I would even take it another step further that you really only want to do this so that you look successful, so that you look like you are truly further along than maybe you really are. You'll put yourself in a bad place just to be at a place that you think is better than somebody that you're trying to outdo. Now, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but let me just say this. I want you to get this. There are so many people who are trying to outrun what their parents said they could never be. They're trying to become something greater than what their parents told them they would amount to. They're trying to become something greater than what others that spoke in their life, negatively spoke in their life, that they cannot, listen to me, they cannot find peace within them because they're always on this pursuit of being better and being greater and they're comparing themselves to each other and husbands and wives fight because they don't have what they, uh, they can't provide what others provide and then he feels uh, like he's not being a good provider and then he turns it around, doesn't feel admired and it all becomes a cycle all because this desire to somehow be great at least better than somebody else. This is important. Now here in our text today, if there's ever been a struggle to see who was going to be the goat in the family, this, this was it. Esau and Jacob. The struggle that they had would set off a conflict that would stretch for decades. And it would even cause conflict and pit parent against parent and parent against child as this family was being ripped apart by who would be the greatest. Who would be the strongest? Who would be the best? Who would have superiority? As Jacob and Esau were born, they literally came out of the womb, we read this, in conflict over who would be first. Esau prevailed, but Jacob would not be easily easily dissuaded. He comes out holding on, saying, you might have got ahead of me for a moment, but give me a minute and I'll catch you. Jacob was driven by the urge to be the greatest. It would drive him to do strange things, wrong things, things that would divide him from his family. I'm just going to stop for a minute and tell you something. In the last eight months, God has been teaching me a level of servanthood that has has been flipping my mindset on a new place, to a new parameter, to a new dimension. As God's been allowing me to walk in a level of servanthood, and it's, I think it's from that place that God's been dealing with me about this, and I've been able to recognize when people are, are driven to promote themselves instead of promoting the kingdom of heaven. And listen. So here's the plot as things begin to go forward in this struggle. Isaac, is the uh, the father of these two brothers, is dying. Or he thinks he's dying. He'll actually live quite a while. But he's dying, and he's going to declare Esau is the greatest. And he's going to give him the blessing. So Jacob and his mother hatch a plan to make him the goat of the family. They come up with this really weird plan to make him the goat of the family. And in Genesis chapter 27, we see this story unfold. They prepare an elaborate meal to deceive the father. Watch that, to deceive the father who has gone blind. They make his favorite meal. Then they steal some of Esau's clothes. But what I want you to notice most importantly is he's trying to become the goat of the family, the greatest 
of all time in that family. He's trying to become the superior member of the family. And I want you to notice what he does. This is what blew my mind when God began to reveal this to me. I want you to notice what he does. Jacob goes out and kills a goat. And he puts the goat hair on his body in order to deceive his father because, watch this, because his father knew that Esau was born a very hairy person. And Jacob says, in order to deceive him, what do I need to do? And his mother says, look, this is what we're going to do. And watch this, this is what God began to deal with my heart about. He dressed up to deceive his father as the very thing he was trying to become. He dressed up, and since he wasn't great yet, watch this, he thought, I'll have to fake it and deceive my way there. I'll have to be something I'm not. You see, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants to prevent you from becoming the best that God created you to be because, watch this, he wants you to dress up as something you're not to try to deceive people into thinking that, that you're greater than you are. The devil wants to hold you in a pattern of deceit. Can I tell you, I am thankful that I'm in a church where you don't have to be perfect. I'm thankful that I'm in a church where you can come to these altars and, and confess your sins and that you don't have to come in this environment that makes you think you have to dress yourself up as something better than you are. Because when you fake it, you're never going to make it. When you are acting and trying to be somebody you're not, you're living in a place of deception that's trying to be somebody that you're not, you can't attain to yet, and it will keep you from a level of honesty. What you need to realize is you're hurting. What you need is a healer, and his name is Jesus, and the only way you're going to get to him is when you tear off all of the things that you brought on your life to deceive everybody into thinking you're better than you are. Is this truth? That if you've been living that way, I want you to get this. The greatest problem with this, people will see right through you. And it will actually cost you valuable time becoming who God called you to be. Because deception will cost you true connection to God and to others. I want you to get this. But Pastor Don, I don't want people to know how messed up I am. I'm not telling you to stand up and tell everybody how messed up you are. As a matter of fact, they might give you a few empty seats. But what I'm telling you is get real with God. And as you get real with God, you're going to see yourself begin to change. And then when you're on the other side of that thing, God's going to cause you to be able to testify and say, you don't know how low I was. You don't know how far I went. See, some of you are thinking, Pastor Don, if you knew who I really was, if you knew what I thought about you and what I thought about God and what I have done to my family and what I've done, that you wouldn't love me anymore. But see, that's the problem. You've got the goat's hair all over you trying to be somebody you're not and your own self-deception because the devil has you dressing up to deceive people that you're better than you are but the reality is you're really the one who's deceived because what I do know is this no matter where you've come from no matter what sin you struggle with my God's still able to deliver you my God's still able but the thing you're going to have to do is tear off all the deception told you this wasn't a 
normal word, but I feel it burning in my heart. And because of his deception, be careful, this is what happens, Jacob has to flee for his life. When you're trying to get away to where people don't know your problem, you will never find your answer. Then he finds himself in another part of the world, and he's working for his uncle, who becomes his father-in-law. I know it's a little weird, but just stay with it. The struggle within Jacob would follow him. Watch this. It would follow him. He goes into another situation, and he's now the underling, and there's a struggle inside of him that wants him to be better than everybody else, and he realizes he's judging himself against them, and he deceived himself into this situation, so he decides probably not the best way to do. So watch what he does. In this situation, he begins to manipulate. And Jacob manipulates the trust of Laban as he would make an agreement that when the flocks of sheep and herds of goats, watch this, would have their offspring that certain colors would be his and certain colors would be Laban's. And instead of trusting God for the agreement to go in his favor, his old character comes out because he's not dealt with a man who wants to be the goat yet. Watch this. And he creates an elaborate plan to manipulate the genetics of the herd. And so once again, he now has to overtake his uncle and he manipulates his way toward being the goat. Now he begins to grow in pride again because his flocks become superior to his uncle's flocks because he's trying to be the greatest of all. When his manipulation is exposed, any trust that he has with Laban is, watch this, annihilated. And here's what I want you to see. Manipulation exposed annihilates trust. It destroys it. It destroys the ability for the people that should be helping you to help you. Because if you're trying to work an angle, then you're probably not doing the right thing. If you're trying to convince people to go away that you know is just the way you want to go to benefit you. Your problem. Let, me, let me just say it this way. If you're hustling people, there's a problem. God didn't call you to hustle and manipulate people. God called you to be the light of the world and to show what can happen when a deceiver and a manipulator falls before the king of glory and gets well. I'm getting it somewhere. Bear with me. I'm, almost, I'm trying to stay on, on target here. He manipulates himself, watch this, by trying to, as he's manipulating these goats. Now watch this. Jacob once again has to abandon his place, and he begins to journey back toward his home. On the path there, Jacob hears that Esau is coming to meet him with a great army of men. Watch this now. So Jacob does something very interesting. He begins to send signs of his greatness ahead to Esau. Same problem. He's hoping that the gifts that he sends ahead will appease Esau's anger. And what is the major thing that he sends? Goats. He sends massive herds of goats. When God began to reveal this to me, I was like, Lord, I don't understand. What are you trying to show me? You see... 
as he's sending these things forth, he's realized he couldn't deceive his way into the position that he wanted. He couldn't manipulate his way, but he was still who he was, so he thought, well, I will appease my way into having the upper hand. So why is any of all of this I've said important to us? Now listen to me, listen to me. Because we try to live the same way. We will try to fake it to make it. And when that fails, we will try to manipulate our way into better standing with God. And finally, we try to appease God enough to get where we want to go. We dress up to look the part. We put all the right pieces in place and we give the biggest offerings in the house, but those things will never get us to a position that doesn't belong to us. Think about that for just a moment. I told you in the beginning, not your normal sermon from me, but I want you to get what God's been dealing with my heart about. If we really want to be the people who want to see a move of God in this generation, we have to stop trying to be something we're not. And we have to stop trying to justify who we are by the others in our lives because if I can just be better than them, then I must be good enough. But the reality is that we cannot become good enough to become who God wants us to be. There has to be a revelation in our life to bring us to this place. And here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about what happens when Esau and Jacob meet. After all this time, he's deceived him. He now has manipulated his uncle. He can't go really any direction. He decides, oh, I've got to trust one. I'm going to throw my mercy on, toward my brother and see if my brother will return the mercy back to me. And as he's going that way, he think, he's thinking about all the things that he's done. He tries to appease his anger. But watch what happens. Listen to me carefully. Watch what happens. Esau comes riding up with his whole army. And what does he do? He jumps off of the animal that he's riding. He runs up to his brother and he falls on him and begins to embrace him and to kiss him and to tell him, I've missed you. I love you. I'm glad you're home. Esau has done the very opposite of what Jacob expected. Now, what has happened? And I want you to see this. Esau's glad to have his brother back. And he's really more than back. Jacob's really more than back because the brother from before is no more. And here's the reason why. And this is the simplicity of why I've taken you down this whole path. Here's the reason why Jacob can now come home. Here's the reason why the relationships can be restored. I don't know if you understand that or not. Until you stop fighting with people, you're never going to get in right relationship with people. Until you stop judging yourself against them, that's just going to build resentment up in your life. If you're trying to be the great one, there's a problem. But here's what happens to Jacob, the man who would deceive, manipulate, and try to appease with the same thing he was trying to become. Listen to me carefully. The night before, the night before he is to meet Esau, he does a really strange thing. There's this moment, this verse that I'd never seen before. Todd, I had never seen this verse jump off the page. Me, The very beginning of the chapter says that he shakes himself and says, the angels of the Lord are here. This is a holy place. 
He shakes himself and says, boom, God is here. So then what he does, he sent all the herds ahead of him. The flock of goats has already gone before him. He's done everything that he can do. But now he says, I'm going to put my wife and my children on ahead of me. And I've heard people preach him as a coward there. But here's what I saw when I saw that verse today. And it's what really brings it all together and what God was speaking into my heart. Here's what I saw that I'd never seen before. Here's what he says. He says, I have sent the gifts. I've messed up when I tried to deceive. I messed up when I tried to manipulate. And I don't know if my appeasement is going to work and it would not have worked. But watch what happens. He steps into an environment and he says, I sense the presence of God. God is here. And he understands something, that he's tired of trying to be something he's not. He's tired of trying to make people think that he's set free. He's tired of trying to make people think that he's got his act all together. He's tired of playing games and manipulating and doing all of that. And all of a sudden, he steps into a holy environment. And when he steps in the holy environment, he says, I, all right. Now, I've preached it many times. He's, got, he's hiding behind his family. But I don't really think he's hiding behind his family. He says, I've got to get you out of the way so that I can be in a holy place with God just as I am. The man who would deceive, manipulate, and try to appease says that God is here and with God being here. And all of a sudden, this is one of the places we see Jesus in the Old Testament. Scripture tells us that all of a sudden, the Lord walks in. And as the Lord walks in in the form of a man, all of a sudden, there's a wrestling match that goes on. Jacob sees him and Jacob lays hold on him and begins to hold on and wrestle with him. And the man says, let me go. And he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until you touch my life, until you change my life. I have lived as a deceiver long enough. And what happens in that moment? Watch what happens. All of a sudden, they wrestle all night long. And Jacob's holding on, and he's still fighting with the struggles that want to make him great. But something happens because he won't give up and because he persists. Watch this. All of a sudden, God touches him in the hip, and, and, and all of a sudden, he can't fight anymore. And then the blessing begins to come because God said, you have wrestled with God and you have prevailed. You held on until the truth came to your life. What truth was it? Here's the simplicity of all the complexity of what I just shared with you. You will never get there if you don't get real with God. Stop trying to deceive people. You will never get there if you're trying to manipulate yourself into a move of God. You will never be able to do enough good to appease God in your life. But something happened in Jacob. He grabbed hold of God and he realized that he was not the goat, but that God was greater than the great. That God was the greatest of all time. And then nobody compares to God. And when he realized that he would never match up to the only one he needed to compare himself against. Am I making any sense at all tonight? When he realized that I will never match up to the only one that really matters, he was able to find himself and watch this. His name changed and he came to a greater position because he got real with God and he acknowledged who God really was. I hope this is making sense to somebody. Because I had a real easy, real pretty sermon, and God said, no, preach on the goat. <laughs> Until you get ready to realize you are not the one that supplies for your family. You are not the one who can fix your situation. 
You are not the one who can heal your marriage. You are not the one who can save your children. You are not the one who can deliver yourself. Until you realize who the great one is, you will never become great in this life. But when you realize who is really in control, then God says, now that I can work with and that I can promote and that I can deliver. When we acknowledge the very thing that the... Oh, I'm trying to preach Sunday morning sermon. I'm messing up here. Amen. But when we acknowledge the very thing that is so important that is most important of all is I am nothing and he is everything and I must decrease so that he may increase and when that changes I'm not worried about trying to be the goat because I know the goat I know the king of kings I know the lord of lords I know the greatest of all time and that's where freedom comes from can I get an amen tonight amen If you don't know what I said tonight, at least look like you think you know what I said tonight. But I'll tell you what happened about two minutes ago. I saw the light start coming on in your eyes. And I saw what I felt that God was revealing to me. As you'll never serve while you're trying to be great. And God doesn't promote the proud. He promotes the humble. You'll never become who God's called you to be until you learn to acknowledge who he is and you're just thankful to be used. Dr. Rutland preached a message here just a few years ago that has stuck with me. And he preached the message on the ox goad. And in case you don't know what an ox goad is, it's just a stick that goads an ox. That's all it is. A dirty old stick. That's all it is. And how God used that ox goad as a mighty weapon to deliver Israel in the hand of a man who trusted God. Dr. Rutland posed a question to us in which he said this. He said, what was the ox goad the next day? They didn't put it in a museum. It went back to doing what God had called it or created it to do or the man who, who formed it had created it to do or what it had always done. It went back to doing goading. And I've had to ask myself, God, if you never use me again, would I still praise you? I think so. God, if I never had what I wanted answered in this life again, would, would I still praise you? I think so. And God changed my life and he changed the direction of my life and sent me to a town called Dawsonville. And God spoke a word over me prophetic, one of the first prophetic words I ever remember actually believing in my life. Someone said, God has taken you from the light and put you in an obscure place so that you can do something great for God and build great leaders. And the moment I heard that, I realized something. I'm not who I was, but I'm on an assignment for the kingdom of heaven. So my question to you is, are you tired of deceiving your way and people trying to make people think you're better than you are? You're tired of playing the games? I mean, it's just as silly. We think that's stupid, dressing up like a goat. Come on now. It's just as stupid to think people don't see through your lies and through the shell game that you're trying to play. If you want to get free, if you want to be delivered, you're going to have to bow your knee before the greatest of all time.
No ball player can match him. I thought about it. I don't know why. I just thought this. He, he wouldn't be stopped by the end of the court. He'd just dribble on across the water. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> he wouldn't be stopped because no army can stop him. Can I just say this? He would get a first down every time. Because nobody can stop him. He's the one who's the fairest of them all. The Bible calls him the lily of the valley. The bright morning star. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. I would tell you he is also the soon coming king. And for whatever reason, he's been dealing with my heart. And, and as I went to prepare that one sermon, he said, no, you take what I've been giving you. Because somebody in here, it's time for your promotion. Listen to me. But you're going to need grace because grace reminds us who the greatest of all time really is. You're going to need to say, God, forgive me for how I've been a deceiver. Stand with me if you would today. God, forgive me for how I've tried to manipulate my life into the place you want instead of trusting you to promote me because that those that open the door themselves forget a verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. Those who've been trying to do enough good to appease God for your situation, you will never do enough good. The only hope you have, say, what do you have to confess? That Jesus Christ is what? Lord. He's the greatest of all time. It's that simple. He's the greatest of all time. Bow your heads with me in this place. If God has spoken to you in any form tonight, can I see your hand for just a moment? Would you hold it up high? Wow. The majority of people in this room. Thank you. Put that down. Who's ready to get real with God? Let me see your hand. You ready to get real with God? I'm telling you, there's a holiness in this moment. This is not me just concluding a service. There's a holiness in this moment. You're going to stop faking it. Now hold it up high. Hold it up high. I want to see it again. You're ready to get real with God. You're ready to get real with God. Because God's going to get real with you when you do. Put those down. Some of you have been trying to manipulate God into what you want. And you're tired of playing games with God. Where are you? Let me see your hand. Wow. Put those down quickly. Third, some of you, because of whatever has happened in your life, you're trying to be good enough to gain his love and appease him, even though you know what's the hindrances in your life. You've been trying to walk in that path of appeasement of God. Where are you? Hands already going up. Wow. Wow. Put those down. I feel the holiness of God. If this were the Old Testament, we would say, I feel the kabod of his glory. I feel a weightiness of his presence now. Now watch this. While you're praying, I'm going to say this to you. I want it to touch your heart if this is you. I think that there are people here tonight who would say, Pastor, I've probably done all three of those and many more. And the real truth is I've never acknowledged who the greatest of all is because I set myself up on the throne of my life. And now I want to know God as the greatest of all in my heart and my soul. I want to surrender my life completely to Jesus Christ. You've prayed prayers, maybe you but you've never really made him the greatest part of your life. And tonight you want to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. 
I'm not going to belabor this long. I just want to simply know no more embarrassment than anyone else that's already raised their hand. You may have already raised your hand, but tonight's the night you say, I'm dethroning myself and I'm making him Lord of my life. Can I see your hand if that's you? Hold it up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now put those down. If you can get to this altar, whether you raise your hand or not, I want you to come toward this altar. Leaders, those who raise their hand, everybody, everybody, come toward this altar. Come as quick as you can. Come as quick as you can. Come as quick as you can. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.